everybody, and welcome to another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast. I'm your host, ESPN and Arizona Cardinals broadcaster, Dave Pash. Last week, we were back talking Arizona Cardinals with Zayvon Collins, second-year linebacker for the Cards, first-round draft pick a year ago out of Tulsa. This week, we'll step outside the Cardinals space and talk primarily NBA, although we will talk a little bit about this week's opponent for the Cardinals, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, with Mark Jackson, ESPN ABC broadcaster. Mark spent 17 years in the NBA as a player, one of the all-time assist leaders in NBA history, part of the NBA Finals broadcast team, which is the longest running in NBA history. 17 years for Mike Green and Jeff Van Gundy, 15 years for Mike, Jeff, and Mark Jackson. The reason why Mark wasn't there for a couple years, he was the head coach of the Golden State Warriors, leading them to two postseason appearances in three years. We'll talk with Mark about his love for Tom Brady and why he became a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan. Fell in love with Brady, the way he played, the way he overachieved at at a certain point, overcame uh, obstacles, and I love his fight, his grit, his compassion. We'll also talk about the NBA on Christmas Day, Mark's thoughts on the Phoenix Suns. We'll get in a little bit of some broadcasting stuff and ask Mark why the booth between Mark, Mike, and Jeff is one of the most successful booths in the history of sports television. We also asked Mark about being a player in the NBA, some of his fondest memories, and also why he knew Clay Thompson and Steph Curry when he was coaching the Warriors were the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. The BetMGM Touchdown Boost Token is here. Increase your payout with every Cardinals touchdown. You'll receive an extra 10% boost off every Cardinals touchdown, and your boost can be used on the following week's game. Only at BetMGM, the king of sportsbooks and official partner of the Arizona Cardinals. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions, 21 years of age or older to wager, Arizona only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP. Time now for another edition of the Dave Pash Podcast with our guest, ESPN ABC broadcaster, former NBA head coach and 17-year NBA point guard, Mark Jackson. Well, Mark, one of the reasons I wanted to get you on, along with being a friend for the last you know, 15, 16 years, was you've led such an interesting life and you've been successful at everything you've done, whether it was as a player for 17 years, three years with the Warriors, back-to-back playoffs as the head coach, first time the Warriors had been in back-to-back playoffs in 20 years, and then as a broadcaster. Uh, you, Mike Breen, and Jeff Van Gundy have been together for 15 years, those two for 17. The reason you weren't there the other two is you were coaching, you were a little busy, but the fact you guys have been the longest-running NBA Finals team in history, like when you started doing this, did you think that you guys would be together this long? Well, when I started, first of all, thanks for having me. When I started doing TV, I was doing Saturday nights and Friday nights in the studios in Bristol, Connecticut. And then I was doing Nets games with Marv Albert and Iron Eagle. So when I got the opportunity to call NBA Finals with Mike Green and Jeff Van Gundy, it was it was an incredible thing to learn, knowing the history of the game, knowing the history of incredible booths, not just in basketball, but in sports in general. Uh, never would I imagine that we'd be doing it you know, at this point and have so many underneath our belt, but it's a credit to the greatness of, of those two guys, the friendship that we have on and off the court. Uh, I'm honored to be 
uh, in a booth with those guys along with Lisa Salters. It's it's an incredible group. And what you see and what you hear during the course of a game is, as you know, is the same thing that you'd see and hear over the course of dinner with all of us. We, we get along incredibly well and they're family for life. Yeah, I, you're right. It's fun when I get a chance probably a handful of times a year to work with both of you and then, you know, another handful of times a year to work with you individually and then work with Jeff individually. And yeah, you guys are what you see is what you get. You guys are as real as it gets. I think your booth should be in the Hall of Fame. If uh, Inside the NBA, which is a tremendous studio show, is in the Hall of Fame, I think you guys should be as well for what you guys have accomplished. Do you think because you guys knew each other before has helped with your chemistry? What do you think is the key to having a great booth? Uh, well, it's a great question, and thank you for the Hall of Fame. Uh, not, I appreciate it. But I will say this, even though I would say I'd credit us knowing each other beforehand has a lot to do with it. I would then crazy as it sounds, say that it has nothing to do with it. Um, and what I mean by that is there are people that, uh, have been in booths and known each other longer than we've known each other and known each other as much as we've known each other. But the thing is we have no ego. Uh, so I've seen booths get torn apart because of egos because somebody says something or somebody doesn't have enough time or somebody is insulted or somebody gets jealous of the attention, all those things. We could care less about who gets the attention. We are there to call the game and cover it and do the best that we possibly can do. There's nothing that Jeff Van Gundy or Mike Green can say to me that I would take offense to because I know those guys love me and they know that I love them. So it's a unique situation a unique booth where uh, family trumps all. And uh, I will get, I will say this. Mike Green is, is as good as it gets as a point guard is concerned. When you talk about Magic Johnson, and in my opinion, Ernie Johnson, Mike Green, those are the three greatest point guards to ever do it. Uh, the way they control uh, the team, the way they orchestrate everything that takes place, uh, it starts and ends with them and Jeff is just Jeff as as brilliant a basketball mind as I've ever been around I've had the privilege of watching him come into the NBA watch him as an assistant be loyal dedicated and work his tail off and I watched him you know every step of the way he is an absolute basketball genius and family for life somebody I have tremendous respect appreciation and admiration for uh like like no other uh we had Jeff on last year he told the story of when his uh his car blew up um, were you on that team? Were you on that Knicks team when his car? I think it was in uh, was on the tarmac, and they were either pulling in or leaving. And I, I think the engine like blew the the car up in the air and and destroyed it. And then I think it destroyed Allen Houston's car as well because it landed on it. Yeah, that was one of his his earlier trip as the head coach of the Knicks. I wasn't on that team, but was reading about it and knew it was typical Jeff Van Gundy. <laughs> I was well aware of the car because the same car he drove as an assistant when, when, when I was there. So <laughs> well, only, I've, only in Jeff Van Gundy form and fashion could something like that happen. And I've been in Jeff's uh, current car. It's probably the same make and model as that one. Uh, Unbelievable. He, he doesn't and, and invest. Well, well, that one was probably cleaner. This guy does not wash his cars, which is unbelievable. He, he only washes the uh, – he only wa keeps the inside clean, <laughs> which makes no sense. I mean, it's, it, it's typical Jeff. When I did that game with you guys a couple of weeks ago, you were kind of making fun of Jeff holding the clicker, what he does with his bottom lip when he holds the, <laughs> the clicker going back and forth watching film. What are some other 
great, and I know I'm asking you off the top of your head, but any other great Jeff Van Gundy stories that, like, this is the perfect form to tell, that it would be too hard to tell in the middle of a broadcast and certainly an NBA playoff game? Well, do you walk around the facility with, with no, no shoes on, with just his socks? Dude, put some shoes on. I mean, come on, man. So he'd walk around with his lip poked out with the remote in his hand and just his socks and those shoes because he's at, he's at home. He spent so much time. And, and I've been around coaches that, that fake the amount of time they were at the facility. Jeff Van Gundy is actually there getting stuff done and making sure he leaves no stone unturned because of his preparation. So I give him credit for that. But put some shoes on, dude, and, and tuck in your, your bottom lip. We don't need to see you your bottom lip poked out all day long waiting to show me a clip of not helping and recovering or sprinting back in transition. <laughs> <laughs> he is uh, one thing I, I there's a lot of things I appreciate about Jeff. Um, you know, I work with Ron Wolfley in the Cardinal games and Wolf played for the Cardinals but he also played for Bill Belichick in Cleveland and I don't think Belichick came on his radio show when the Cardinals played the Patriots the last time but usually every time the Cardinals play New England, Belichick will come on Wolf's show. He played for him 30 years ago, yet there's still a respect and appreciation for any former player. Jeff is the same way. I've noticed whether it's you or other guys, Patrick Ewing, other guys that he coached. He And it's real. It's not fake. Like, he really appreciates and always points to the players, always gives the player credit for helping him. He'll always say, He's got a, he, I remember we'd do those games from our houses during COVID year, and he'd have a picture of Patrick Ewing behind him, and he said, I have this here so the cameras see the guy that built my house. Not literally, but <laughs> Patrick, Patrick Ewing's the reason I have this nice house. Well, and, and he, he understands it. He gets it. And anybody that understands what it takes in sports, not just basketball, but in sports in general, you, you don't win as a coach without talent and, and, and greatness. And, and that greatness and talent embracing you, especially if you're a guy like, Jeff Van Gundy, and he's well aware of that where he came from, that a guy, a franchise talent like Patrick Ewan had to embrace him and put a stamp on everything he was preaching, or he could have, it could have gone the other way. We've seen that with great, with great players uh, alienate a coach and not give him a chance. So he, he embraces the fact that Patrick did that for him. And, and I wouldn't say Patrick just did it for him because Patrick is a loyal guy and he's a winner. Patrick saw the amount of work that Jeff was putting into it and the knowledge that he had, and he trusted him because of that. He didn't just blindly trust him. So Jeff is ignoring the fact that he earned that respect and that trust from guys like Patrick Ewan, uh, and, and, and it propelled him into an incredible basketball career. So, so, so I would say it, it, I understand his humility, but at the same time, it was earned the respect and the embrace of, of everything that he was preaching to his, to his troops. Well, and you mentioned humility, and, and that comes across with all you guys, and you talked about having no ego. I, I think that's maybe the biggest key to why your booth, Mark, is among the best in sports because – and I, I'll you know, a lot of times talk either at Syracuse or other schools will ask me to talk about play-by-play and what's the success or what's the reason for – uh, being successful, and I always talk about, you know, you have to have a booth where, as the play-by-play guy, your, your job is to make the analyst the star and let the analyst shine. And sometimes, especially in a three-person booth, the analysts are all jockeying for position and it's wall-to-wall talking. What makes you guys great is there might be a couple possessions that go by and it's just Breen calling the play because if you don't have anything to say, 
You're not going to just talk to talk. And Jeff's the same way. So I've always appreciated that when working with you guys. It, it's it's conversational, it's easy, it's smooth, and it's fun and entertaining. And you guys are always good about picking your spots, when to be goofy and funny and when to be serious. So And then you watch so many sporting events and, you know, sadly you see people talking over each other and talking over the moment. Uh, it comes with, with, with doing it, repetition, and learning the fact of how to – how to best, you know, tell the story, and sometimes let let the let the scene tell the story along with Mike. Uh, so we take we take great pride in in sitting back and witnessing greatness. Uh, so we don't take ourselves serious, and 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 some of the best moments has been us laying out. And 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 I, I, I gave credit to Mike and Jeff. I also want to give credit to our boss, which you know very well, Tim Corrigan, yep. who does an incredible job. Of, of letting us be who we truly are individually and collectively, guiding us, leading us, and not over-coaching. He is a, he is a brilliant uh, coach as far as production is concerned. It's somebody that's been there the entire way with us, and we don't take for granted. No, he's as good as it gets in terms of uh, being a game producer, as good as it gets on any sport. Uh, one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on was to talk about the team that the Cardinals are playing this week, more so the quarterback the Cardinals are playing against, because I just assumed, I don't know when I found this out, but I just assumed that you were you know, a guy that grew up in New York City, a Giants fan or a Jets fan, but you told me, this was probably 10 years ago, that you were a Patriots fan, and the reason you were a Patriots fan is because of Tom Brady. And then you went on to tell me, when Brady went to the Buccaneers, that you're now a Buccaneers fan. First of all, who was your team growing up, Mark? And when did you shift your allegiance to following Brady and the Patriots and now the Buccaneers? Well, I'm a big sports fan, and, and I was growing up, I, I wasn't a Jets or Giants fan in football, um, and I was just a, a fan of football. And then when Dan Marino became the quarterback of the Miami Dolphins, I became a Dolphins fan because of Dan Marino. Uh, I fell in love with the way he threw the ball, the way he played, and uh, just everything about him. And and so so I wasn't a Patriots fan until Marino retired. When Marino retired, when Brady got on the scene, uh, I had to find another team or another uh, guy that I thought would be, you know, somebody that I can embrace. And, and it became uh, Tom Brady. So Fell in love with Brady, the way he played, the way he, you know, overachieved at at a certain point, overcame uh, obstacles and and uh, being a backup and all of those things. And uh, I love this story. I love this fight, his grit, his compassion, and uh, I became a Patriots fan. And and then when, not when he became a Tampa Bay Buccaneer, but when Brady decided to leave the New England Patriots, it didn't matter wherever he was going. That's the team I was going to root for. So uh, when he decided to go with Tampa Bay, I became a Buck fan. And uh, that's what I am today. And that's what I'll be until he retires or leaves and goes somewhere else. And he goes somewhere else. That'll be my team for better or for worse. And when he retires, uh, I'll be on to the next one. I'm not sure who that, be, who that will be. But it won't be. It's not the best player per se. It's it's To me, it's. Like like in baseball, I, I was I was an Alex Rodriguez guy. So wherever Alex went, I would have been I would have been with Alex. He's he's my guy, somebody I love, and I love his story. And I truly believe he should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, that's for another story. Have you had a chance to get to know Brady at all? No, never met him. 
just just uh, know him from a distance as as a fan. As you watch the team this year, six and eight, but still leading the division. Uh, it's the worst regular season that Brady's had, uh, but still at his age, it is remarkable what he's doing. Uh, turnovers were really what did them in against Cincinnati on Sunday. What do you make of, of this year's team, and do you still think, despite being 6-8, and eight, that if they win the division, that they're good enough to make a run in the postseason? Disappointed thus far, uh, and, and to me, as a, as a fan, as a player, as a coach, as a guy that covers sports, um, uh, I, I'm disappointed with their lack of discipline, uh, their consistency. Uh, if they play the way they played in the first half, uh, yesterday, then they can get to the Super Bowl and beat anybody in the NFC. Offensively and defensively, they were clicking. The sad thing is that if they play the way they played in the second half yesterday, uh, there's a chance they won't even make the playoffs. Um, they've got to be better and they're good enough to get it done, <clears throat> but they haven't displayed a consistency all year long. So everything that I know about sports tells me that you are your habits. And I shouldn't trust them, but because of the greatness of Tom Brady and and that team being able to do it before, I'm holding on to dear hope, uh, thinking that they could find a way to click on all cylinders and get hot at the right moment because I'm not in love with anybody in the NFC to the point where I think that the Bucks, when clicking, can't beat them, whether it be in their building or, or, or the opposition's building. To me, and I've seen – the Eagles this year in person, granted it was early in the year, seen the 49ers in person once the Cardinals play there the last game of the season, and obviously the Cardinals are, are a shell of the team we thought that we were going to have. They have they've played more players than anybody in the NFL, and uh, Trace McSorley may end up starting this week, and who knows, maybe the rest of the year, depending on how Colt is doing. Uh, to me, San Francisco is the best team, the most complete team. I have to see Jalen Hurts do it in the postseason to believe it. Um I still think it's probably Kansas City or Buffalo that wins the Super Bowl, but I do think it'll be the 49ers against one of those two teams. Who do you think right now is is the team to beat in the NFL? It's 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 wide open. Um, when you look at the AFC, so many teams legitimately have a have a chance and are good enough to get hot, especially with the quarterback play being at the level that it is. It's incredible. So Kansas City, Buffalo. Uh, got to be you know the the, the favorites uh, in the AFC but I'm not I'm not counting anybody out because I will say this when you when you look at Tom Brady and what he does when it matters most he takes care of the ball he's not you know trying anything <clears throat> to be a superhero he's, he's 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 marching down the field effectively and efficiently when I look at the quarterback play uh and say who's going to win the Super Bowl or who has a chance to win the Super Bowl, I think any one of those those other guys can throw one away and cost that team. As great as they are, I don't think they take care of the football as well as they, they, they should. At times they can be careless. And that's the greatness of Patrick Mahomes, too. He can throw one away trying to do too much. So So that's the concern with me picking any particular team. I think it's a, a great time. It's tremendous parity throughout the league, and I think it's wide open. Even though you, you, you talk about uh, uh, Philly and San Francisco, can, can I say that they won't throw one away? 
are they, they, they will not be in careless, but are they good enough to take care of the basketball? Um, to, to basketball? Are they good <laughs> enough to take care of the football the entire way? And I'm not so sure that they won't give the opposition a chance to beat them yeah. off of a mistake. No, I agree. I think we, first of all, don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like in San Francisco, and can Brock Purdy keep doing this? And if uh, Jimmy G can't come back, can he, you know, can he win a big playoff game? Same question for him that we have for Jalen Hurts. Growing up in New York City, did you play football at all, Mark? If not, what other sports did you play growing up besides basketball? Well, my first sport was baseball. I played baseball as a as a kid. Uh, my first sport at seven years old. When we moved from Brooklyn to Queens, I got into a little league and I played for the you know the, the Royals, uh, and, and we had a good time. And I fell in love with baseball at seven years old and pretty much the same time I fell in love with, with basketball. And I played football uh, for a, a year or two, uh, enjoyed that. Um, I'm, I'm a, I, I boxed uh, in, the, in the local PAL uh, in the neighborhood in Queens. Uh, so baseball, basketball, football, boxing, uh, I, I'm pretty much in love with. If, if, if I can't do it, you won't see me do it. I'll follow it, but you won't see me play soccer which the World Cup was incredible, but I can't do it. And then, obviously, you went to St. John's where you're a great player, and then in the NBA for 17 years, Rookie of the Year, you're drafted by the Knicks. What was that like emotionally to get drafted by uh, – to play – it's like DeAndre Ayton, even though DeAndre's from the Bahamas, but you know, high school in Phoenix, college at University of Arizona in Tucson, NBA with the Suns. You take it one step further from growing up in New York, playing college basketball in New York City, and then playing in the NBA in New York City to start your career. Yeah, it was it was incredible, you know, to be a kid uh, watching the New York Knicks, listening to them, uh, dreaming about being Earl Monroe. Up until I got to high school, I wore number fifteen my entire life for Earl the Pearl Monroe. He was my favorite player growing up, uh, and he was the backcourt partner of Walt Frazier with the New York Knicks. Uh, and I pinch myself sometimes as I look at my phone and I'm texting as a 50, 57-year-old man. I go back to being a little kid because I'm, I have the privilege and honor of having Earl Monroe's phone number and text him every now and then. And I'm, and I'm, I'm absolutely amazed when I think about the fact that this guy that I dreamed about being, I even get chills and emotional thinking about it right now, that I have the privilege of texting him. And calling him and interacting with him, it's 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 mind blowing. So I, you you made me even forget the question. But, oh yeah, the, the, the next <laughs> one. I get I, it's crazy when you think about that. Uh, that I have the privilege to to be in contact with the guy that I that that sparked the dream in me. Uh, but playing playing in New York City, the dream was to be a New York Nick and to be drafted, to be to be playing in college in St. John's with a great Hall of Famer, Luke on second. To then go from there to playing in New York City was was uh, was a dream come true. Madison Square Garden, twenty thousand hometown. It's not just twenty thousand fans. I got elementary school teachers, elementary elementary school classmates, you know, high school principals, middle school classmates and teachers. You know, is I'm looking in the stands and it, it was it was absolutely a surreal feeling. When you were traded by the Knicks to the Clippers. 
Was that painful for you? I know you did come back and play for the Knicks again, but was it painful because you thought maybe you were leaving for the last time? What was that like? Well, it was painful. Excuse me. It was painful because I can remember specifically Pat Riley having a team meeting in the locker room, and he says, let me let you guys know something. There's only two guys in there that's going to be lifers. Uh, with the Knicks, and that's Patrick Ewing and Mark Jackson. I'm young and dumb. I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to be here forever. (laughs) (laughs) Little did I know at some point, you know, sooner, soon I I would be, you know, shipped off to uh, Los Angeles. But uh, it was a surprise. But right away I knew uh, it was a business, and I had an opportunity uh, to, to go somewhere else. To, to play in another uniform, to impact, impact uh, another community. And, uh, and, and, and anytime you get traded, it, it shows that somebody else values what you bring to the table. So I never looked at it as, as disrespect. I understood it was a business, and I looked at it as an opportunity to uh, further my career and impact a, a whole other community. So uh, going to L.A., uh, obviously helped me moving forward because now I live in L.A. When I moved from New York, you know, 15, 20 years ago, I was looking for a home somewhere else. And uh, I'm a guy that's a creature of habit, as you know. Um, and I wanted to go someplace that I was familiar with. Uh, and, and L.A. was a place that I had become familiar with since, you know, 19, I believe, 92. Uh, and and it's been it's been great. This next question was not on my list, but uh, and I'm and going to end up going way over the time I said I was going to keep you. But I but Jeff sent me some questions to ask you, so you can blame him for going too long. Um, one of my favorite thirty for thirties was Winning Time, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks, and part of the reason I loved it, knowing you, but also the showing you and the impact you had on him. Uh, was there anything if people have seen that thirty for thirty? Because most people I talk to have. It's a pretty popular one. Is there anything that was left on the cutting room floor that you know you would want people to know about that team or your relationship with Reggie Miller? Uh, obviously, the Spike Lee games, those are very memorable. But is there anything else, Mark, that you can think of? You know, Jeff is different than me. You can say to Jeff what happened in game three going into the third quarter, and Jeff will specifically break down exactly what happened. I don't recall. I know we won. But I don't re- I don't remember different situations or games or game four or game three or anything like that. Things that jump out to me are specific moments, leaving the, the arena in Indiana after we beat them and uh, getting in my car with my family and seeing this guy walking on the on on the on the side of the street in the freezing cold with his bottom lip poked out wondering if anything he could have done to, 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 to get the win. And it was Jeff Van Gundy. So I rolled the window down. And I'm like, I'm like you, you okay, man? <laughs> I'm like, you okay, man? It's just like those moments jump out. But I tell you, it, 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 there's no doubt in my mind, could that Nick team that we beat win a championship today? The answer is 100% yes. So I don't believe that the only teams that we count as great teams are the ones that won it. No, they they've had you know have, they had great teams certainly. The moment was right. You can't tell me that that Utah Jazz team couldn't have won a championship. That Nick team, that Heat team, you know, before LeBron and and Wade and Bosh and those guys. There's so many great teams that have lost. You know, the Birds teams that lost the Magic are the Magic team that lost the Bird. Um, 
But Jeff Van Gundy, uh, whether he had Patrick Ewing or a shorthanded Nick team, the thing that jumps out, they were always prepared. They stayed ready. They competed their tail off. And, and they were absolute champions and winners in spite of not winning at all because they went the, the way they went about handling their business, the way they competed, and the way, way they represented New York City. And I think uh, the same thing goes for, you know, that Pacer team and those Pacer teams that I was privileged to be part of. But Reggie Miller is a friend for life. Uh, he's family for life. I'm the godfather of his oldest child. Um, honored to be that. And, uh, and we, we, we share some incredible moments together. And I specifically get excited when I turn on the TV and people that I spent quality time with over the course of my life still relevant all these years later. You look at a guy like Kenny Smith. I grew up with Kenny Smith. We had dreams. Uh, we had aspirations of one day doing it. And to be able to turn on TV and know that he's in the Hall of Fame, Reggie's in the Hall of Fame. I mean, it's, it's incredible to watch. Mike Green being in the Hall of Fame, to watch Jeff Van Gundy and his impact uh, on, the, on the game of basketball. I'm watching a drill on, 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 the, on the Internet, and it's a defensive shell drill, and they're calling it the Tibbs drill. I love Tom Thibodeau. That's the Jeff Van Gundy drill. We did that when Jeff Van Gundy was the head coach. So Jeff Van Gundy's impact goes beyond just a three-man booth. He is a basketball genius. He's somebody I love. When you get the Warriors job, obviously, you know, Jeff, as you've been saying throughout this podcast, and I'm sure people that remember when you were co- coaching the Warriors, the, the type of coach that you were, obviously Jeff had, had a big impact on you as a coach. Who are some of the other – I know Rick Pitino you played for as well. Uh, Pat Riley you mentioned. Who are some of the other coaches that impacted you uh, during that stint when you were the head coach of the Warriors? Well, I will tell you, I'll give, this, give you this nugget that hasn't been known as far as I, I know. I, as the head coach of the Warriors, not, not when I first got the job, uh, but at, at some point being the coach of the Warriors, offered Jeff Van Gundy to be the highest paid assistant in the league, uh, to, to be my assistant, my, my assistant coach. And it, the timing wasn't right. So uh, that's, that's how much I think of Jeff and how much I value his basketball knowledge and how much he has made me better, not only as a basketball coach, basketball player, but as a person overall. Um, yeah, I have not heard that story. I don't think I've even heard that off the air. No, I never I never shared it, but but that's what I think of him. Uh, I don't believe I played 17 years in the NBA uh, if, I, if Rick Pitino's not my first coach. He's a Hall of Fame coach, an incredible basketball mind, and a guy that allowed me a New York City point guard to play through mistakes and instill tremendous confidence in me uh, and gave me an opportunity. So if if he doesn't give me that, it doesn't propel me to have a 17-year career. So I'm forever grateful. I played for so many Hall of Fame coaches. Off the top of my head, Pat Riley, Lanny Wilkins, uh, Jerry Sloan, Larry Bird, who's not a Hall of Fame coach but a Hall of Fame uh, basketball player, obviously, and one of the truly greats. Um, was an incredible basketball coach because he knew what he he understood what he what he knew and he understood what he didn't know and he instilled you know quality guys around him in the late Dick Harder and, and and Rick Carlisle and allowed them to you know to to a certain extent control the offensive and the defensive side of the floor and Bird was a brilliant basketball mind that uh, trusted us. Um, I'm trying to think about oh, Luke Conaseco who obviously is a Hall of Fame coach. Um, 
I played for so many uh, off the top of my head. Larry Brown was that? Uh, did you play? Larry for, Brown yeah. is a Hall of Fame coach yeah. that I played for in Los Angeles and in the Indiana twice. Um, so I, I've been around some 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 great basketball minds um, that I've stolen from, learning what to do, and just as important, what not to do because they they all they were not perfect. But uh, I, I learned what to do and what not to do, and I instilled things and to the day when I became a head coach that I took a little piece of them and, and it made me better as, as a basketball mind and a basketball coach. Well, everybody knows, Mark, you helped set the table for the Warriors for the success that they've had with the four championships, not just as a coach, but as a talent evaluator, whether it's picking Steph Curry over Monte Ellis, drafting Clay Thompson. Obviously, you were there and a part of that. And then you recognized early on the talent of both those guys and made the statement, I know you've been asked this a thousand times, but made the statement that Klay Thompson and Steph Curry will be the greatest shooting backcourt in NBA history. That is true. That is a true statement. At the time, a lot of people probably were like, why is Mark saying that? How did you know? Like, What was it about those two guys, considering all the great players, great shooters that you played with or against? And you already mentioned one of them, Reggie Miller who probably prior to those two guys you could say was maybe the greatest shooter ever, certainly in clutch situations. What what about those two guys stood out to you to make that statement? It's funny because to me, I get credit for it, but it was an easy call. And I know people you know, doubted it then and thought I was crazy and going overboard. It was an absolute easy call to make. I watched those guys every single day shooting shots at a, at a level. I've been fortunate enough and blessed enough to play alongside of I want to say about you know seven eight guys uh, that if you put the greatest if you took the fifteen greatest players greatest shooters just shooting the basketball fifteen or twenty guys I got eight to ten of them that I played with that would be on that list and any one of those guys can come out of that gym as the as as the winner if they had a shooting contest you talking about Reggie Miller <clears throat> off the top of my head Chris Mullen uh, I played with Dale Ellis I played with Dale Curry. I played with Eddie Johnson. Um, I coached Steph Curry. I coached Clay Thompson. Forgive me if I'm forgetting anybody else that I that I played with that that were able. But those guys are those guys are great great shooters. And to watch Steph and Clay shoot every single day, and you can count on your hand how many times they miss. The way that they played game speed in practice, shooting the basketball. The way they shot in games the variety of ways in which they can get their shot off and shoot it, it was an easy call for me to say they would be that, 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 that they were the greatest shooting backcourt in the history of the game. And, and for people to doubt it, and I'm not just thinking about them and the guys I played with, I'm a fan of the game. I know the game inside out. If you said that they weren't and you said who's the best shooting backcourt <clears throat> outside of them, statistically to me, and people would say, well, Jerry West and Gail Goodrich. That's not true. John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek, both guys effective and efficient and good. One's one, you know, Jeff is a great shooter. John is a very good shooter who statistically is a great shooter. Um, so those guys would be, those guys would be second. And, and with, with all due respect, I say this with all due respect, Steph and Clay are in a different class as far as shooters are concerned. So it was an easy call for me to make. Uh, understanding the history of the game and respecting the history of the game, it was a compliment to those guys, and I was privileged 
to not only, you know, make that call, but even more importantly, to have the privilege and honor to coach those guys and the guys that I had in Golden State. Mark, what would it take for you, because you have a great job, and I know you love your job, and you love where you live in Los Angeles, what, what would it take for you to go back and be a head coach again in the NBA? Well, I look forward to the day when, I, when I'm when i coaching again, and that's not just in the NBA. I, I I'd entertain coaching, you know, in college also. So I look forward to the day uh, that I have the opportunity to lead a group of of, of men uh, uh, with a with a program, whether it be in, on the college level, on the professional level. I had an incredible time uh, being part of something that was built in Golden State that has been able to be sustained with the greatness of Steve Kerr and that organization and what they've been able to do. Uh, I, I had at the time of my life uh, playing a role and and building something, helping to establish something with with great coaching, great ownership, great great management, and most importantly, great players. Uh, I, I really am excited about the opportunity to do it again at some point. I look forward to it. Well, but I, I will say this: I'm at peace with who I am as a man, and I'm at peace with what God has for me. And uh, if that doesn't happen, then I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to lose my mind. I have an incredible job calling NBA Finals and working for ESPN ABC and working with guys and, 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 and Lisa that, that, that I love and enjoy every time I get the opportunity to put on a headset. Well, look, I, I, and I'm not the only one that feels this way. I think it's crazy uh, that you're not coaching right now. Again, as good as you are doing what you're doing and – could do this for a long time. I'd love to see you get another chance, whether it's in the NBA or running a college program. I think you deserve it. Uh, the job you did with the Warriors, going to the playoffs twice in three years, winning a playoff series when the Warriors had been awful for as long as they were, uh, I think it's uh, overdue that you get another opportunity to be a head coach in the NBA or in college. Um, as for with Christmas Day upon us and five games on ESPN ABC, I'll be in Dallas. You'll be at Golden State. The Suns are playing in Denver. That's the last game. We just had them. You and Jeff and I did the Boston game where they're down 45 at one point. What do you make of the Suns? And do you think if you – and I know we talked about this on the year. If you had a list of teams that could win the championship, are the Suns in that mix as they currently exist or do they have to go out and make another move in your mind? Well, I think as they currently exist, they, they are in the mix. Uh, will they put themselves further in the mix if they enhance their talent or make a move? Absolutely. But I think they're good enough uh, to, 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 to win it all. And because of the, the, the leadership of Monty Williams, uh, James Jones and what he's done from day one, uh, superstar and Devin Booker, who is as good as uh, there is in this league, to sit down and talk to. I love his mindset. I'm even watching the, the game the other night where he has 57 and and he has an old-school mentality because of the chippiness between uh, the Pelicans and the Suns. They're on edge. He gets the ball, clock dwindling down. Normally you would hold the basketball. He shoots a three at the buzzer, uh, basically saying screw you to the Pelicans and everybody else. Just that mentality that he has is refreshing. It's old-school. And he's not trying to be friends out there, even though he's cordial and respectful. And even Clay Thompson, the battle that they had with each other, nothing but respect and appreciation, admiration for one another when the game was over. But in between those lines, you're going to have to see me. 
that's the mentality that's refreshing, and that's the old-school mentality. Uh, having Chris Paul, I think, is important for them to make sure he's healthy and whole uh, and able to get to the finish line. But I think it would make them better to get another playmaker, taking the pressure off of Booker, and then to get some size. But they are certainly good enough uh, in a seven-game series to beat anybody in the East or in the West. Two more questions. We'll get you out of here, Mark. Um, for a lot of fans, Christmas Day is the start of the NBA season. That's usually one of the biggest days, if not the biggest day, in terms of ratings for the NBA. But obviously, guys like you and I have been calling games for the last two months and watching games on a regular basis. Who's the best team you've seen? Uh, again, we just had Boston, but they've lost a couple games to Orlando here in the last week. So I don't know if Milwaukee, in your mind, has overtaken them. Who do you think's the best team? It is a great question, and it's it's it's, it's wide open. Uh, I think Boston and Milwaukee are the best two teams right now. I think if you twisted my arm, I would probably say Milwaukee because they've done it not being whole, even though Boston didn't have Robert Williams. Um, but I think the valuable pieces that Milwaukee has been missing and that they're going to be able to add – even a guy like Joe Ingles, who has the ability to play multiple positions, defend, play out of pick and roll, make shots, gives them such depth and versatility. Um, they're a dangerous, dangerous team. And Giannis, again, has that old school mentality, not trying to make friends out there, is, 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 is an incredible basketball player that keeps his foot on the gas pedal at all times and only wants to get better. Uh, but Boston is going to be right there when you're talking about those two wing players. Wing play is crucial in today's game, and they have two of the elite, not just wing players, but players in the game of basketball. So it's going to be a, a fun, fun season, and I can't wait to crown a championship because it's, uh, it's going to be tremendous having an opportunity uh, to tell the story as it, as it plays out. Last one, and before I actually ask the question, uh, have you seen the documentary? I, I love the Untold series on Netflix. Have you seen The Rise and Fall of And One? I'm assuming you've seen it. Uh, yes, I did watch a little. It's tough for me to. I know. Watching my. Uh, you know, well, that <laughs> get emotional. Yeah, too. I'm sorry, and and that's why yeah. I I wanted to ask you about the documentary. Mm. Uh, your your late brother Troy was such a big part, uh, also known as Big Escalade, big part of the N One mixtape tour. I have not seen Untold: The Rise and Fall of N One, uh, but I've heard great things from a lot of people. Um, is, is that is that something I should be watching tonight? Is that like, should that be on the menu the next thing I watch? If you get an opportunity, absolutely. You know, I'm, I'm so proud of my, my young brother, uh, Escalade. And it's even funny calling him Escalade. We know him as Troy. And people say, young boys, that's just the same parents. Yeah, same parents. Mom and dad married 40 years. They, I guess, got a little hot one day, 10 years removed from my younger sister. <laughs> <laughs> and we got, a, we got a, a son on the way, but. The craziest thing that had happened, I, I watched them grow and dream and, and play, and, and then dreams fall short as not making it to the league, battling with weight. And then I, I can remember, you know, N1 started, and he becomes, he said, well, we're known, we're known. I'm like, you're known. And, I, you know, I, I brush it to the side, and then one day I go to the mall with him, and we're walking through the mall, and somebody runs up to me, and I'm, I'm all ready to sign an autograph and take a picture, and they say, can you? Can you take this picture with me and Escalade? And I'm like, and and he could have he could have went on to be with God that moment. He it, he he had made it because 
they wanted me to take a picture of them with him as opposed to me being the star in the family. Uh, but I, I was extremely proud of him. I'm still proud of him. When people come up to me today and talk about what he did for them, and, and, and spoke a word to them, encouraged them, helped them, guided them, nurtured them, mentored them, um, his legacy lives on, and, and I couldn't be proud of Well, Mark, I really enjoyed this. Thanks, Jack, so much for your time. Really appreciate it, and looking forward to when our game's over, watching you guys uh, on Sunday night, and look forward to working with you at some point here the next month. Continue the great work, and again, appreciate the time, bro. You're the best, man. Thanks for having me. It was a blast. We were able to cover a lot there with Mark, whether it was his days as a player, growing up, the other sports that Mark played, his broadcasting career, his coaching career, and also the potential of being a head coach again, whether it be in the NBA or at the major college level. Certainly think that's something that Mark has earned, given the job that he did with the Warriors those three years, and obviously being such a big name in basketball, given what he's accomplished as a player and a broadcaster as well, along with Mike Breen and Jeff Van Gundy. They are the longest-running broadcast team in NBA Finals history, and they'll call the Finals again in 2023. They'll also call the Warriors and Grizzlies as part of five games on ESPN ABC on Christmas Day. I'll be in Dallas with Hubie Brown calling the Lakers and the Mavs. We are presented by BetMGM, the official sports betting partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Gila River Resorts and Casinos. You can follow us on Twitter, at PashPod, and we also welcome your review and rating. Check us out and tell us what you think by going to your podcast platform. Uh, Let us know if there's any guests you want to hear from down the road. Certainly thanks to you for listening, and thanks again to Mark Jackson for being this week's guest on the Dave Pash Podcast.